You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. today is called Planet by Catherine Pierce. This morning, this planet is covered by winds and blue. This morning, this planet glows with dustless, perfect light, enough that I can see one million sharp leaves from where I stand. I walk on this planet. It's hard-packed dirt, it's prickling grass, and I don't fall off. I come down soft if I choose, hard if I choose. I never float away. Sometimes I want to be weightless on this planet, and so I wade into a brown river or dive through a wave and for a while feel nothing under my feet. Sometimes I want to hear what it was like before the air. And so I duck under the water and listen to the muted hums. I'm ashamed to say that most days I forget this planet. That most days I think about dentist appointments and plagiarist, and the various ways I can try to protect my body from itself. Last weekend, I saw Jupiter through a giant telescope. Its storm stripes four of its 67 moons and was filled with fierce longing, bitter, that instead of Ganymede or Europa, I had only one moon floating in my sky the moon, called moon. Its face familiar and stale. But this morning, I stepped outside and the wind nearly knocked me down. This morning, I stepped outside and the blue nearly crushed me. This morning, this planet is so loud with itself its winds, its insects, its grackles and morning doves, that I can hardly hear my own lamentations. This planet, all its grooved bark, all its sand of quartz and bones and volcanic glass, all its creeping thistle lacing the yard with spiny purple. I'm trying to come down soft today. I'm trying to see this place as I'm walking through it. That was Planet by Catherine Pierce. I remember the first time I tried to meditate. I was in my early 20s. 
I just bought a copy of Shinryu Suzuki Roshi's book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. It's one of those classic books that students new to Zen and meditation often read. It gives you Suzuki Roshi's opinions on Zen, but most importantly, how-to instructions, how to do this. Now, Suzuki was a Soto priest, so naturally his book presented a traditional Japanese Soto viewpoint. I myself to this day have more affinity with the Rinzai school of Zen. The differences really aren't that much. It's funny. In a tradition where one of the most famous sayings is, the great way is not difficult if you don't pick and choose. And then look at Buddhism as diverse and divergent as any other human creation. Soto, Rinzai, Kwanum, Chan, Tibetan, and so on. All different. Same Dharma. But I digress. Soto Zen has a principle within it that is imperfectly summed up this way. The act of meditation is your enlightenment. And with that, this book, Zen Mind's Beginner Mind, it helps illuminate that principle. So as an early 20-something religious nerd that was always looking and seeking, and that sounded pretty great. Enlightenment is that easy. I just need to sit in a funny posture, and bam, there it is. Awakening. The secrets of the universe unfolding right before me. I didn't have any special equipment back then. No meditation cushions or benches. So I grabbed a bunch of couch cushions and pillows that hardly did the trick. I was completely inflexible, so sitting in a lotus position was not happening. To this day, I prefer a more easier style of sitting. Folding your legs under or the Burmese style. But I tried to do it right. I had to make Suzuki Roshi proud. I had to follow it step by step. The cushions proved a challenge. They sank and sank and didn't do much. Enlightenment was just within my reach. But if only I could get the dang cushions to cooperate. Didn't the universe know I was trying? So I supported the cushions with some books and there. I was ready. I could do this. I got into position and followed the directions to the letter. Eyes half closed, but I opened them up quickly to look at the book to make sure I was indeed doing it right. It had to be 100% correct. We're talking awakening here, right? You don't want to mess this up. So yes, eyes half closed, check. Sitting like a pretzel miraculously that day, check. Hands in the cosmic mudra, yes, yes, check. Deep breaths, but not too deep. Check. Counting the breaths. In, out, one. In, out, two. All the way up to ten and repeat. Check. Don't chase your thoughts. Sure, why not? I could do this. But wait, am I doing this right? What time do I have to go to work? What am I doing wrong? Why am I even doing this in the first place? Is that the neighbor making noise downstairs? And the final step, when your thoughts do wander, call attention back to counting your breaths. Check. There I was, meditating, supposedly enlightened in that moment. I waited to feel it, to know it, to understand what was happening. I wanted the heavens or something to reveal themselves to me and for that liberating moment to erupt in my mind, in my heart. 
But all I could think about was here I am, trying to ignore my loud neighbor and feeling pretty stupid sitting on my couch cushions. If this was enlightenment, I was pretty sure I had enough. No more. I'm good. Thanks. I must be missing something. But if it can't be explained in this book from some Zen master, was it really worth it? That's that early 20-something haughtiness right there. (laughs) At least for me. I tried a few more times after that. Once it felt as if everything seemed to line up, the entire process felt good. And I think back to that moment every now and then. It felt like I was on the verge of something, as if I were about to go tumbling off the edge into some great revelation willingly, joyfully. It was right there. And it seemed like enough in that moment. Was it supernatural? No, probably not. Was it dharma? Absolutely. Was it enlightenment? Well, as someone who actively practices Zen these days, and for those of you in the room that do as well, you know that asking that very question is more of an inside joke. Is that enlightenment? Buddhism, for all of the stuff that is out there that is so awfully serious, is a religion that has a great sense of humor, especially Zen. If someone were to ask me if I'm enlightened today, my reply would likely be, in all sincerity and humor, I had scrambled eggs for breakfast, and that answer is good enough. I look back to myself in my early 20s, and I just smile at that moment. I was and am a perennial seeker, always looking for some new practice, some new religion, some new spiritual opportunity, new philosophy, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as it doesn't lead to harm for yourself or others. But if I were able to talk to my 20-something self, I'd remind him that mindfulness and enlightenment are not limited to sitting like a pretzel and buying expensive cushions. It's also not dependent on what this or that Zen master says. And I really wonder if I'd listen to myself. I share this story with you for a few reasons. One, we're all on a journey. Even your minister. In Unitarian Universalism, our journey is never complete. And that is part of the joy and privilege of a faith such as this. The Unitarians of old would proclaim that progress goes onward and upward forever and ever. Amen. And that is still true for us today. It's in one of the old sets of principles we have. Onward and upward, forever and ever. But I also share it because we live in a world that makes spiritual practices so overcomplicated for us. When I say world, I leave it to you to fill in the blank. World meaning culture, our own expectations, gurus, teachers, fear, doubt, whatever. Probably all of the above in some way, shape, or form. But what remains true is that the barrier to beginning spiritual practices for many of of us feels exceedingly high. Zen and Buddhism are perfect examples of this. But here's the secret. You have everything you need right now to be awakened, enlightened. Wait, wait, that's wrong. (laughs) You are awakened already. You just need to pay attention. And that is simple enough. No special equipment needed. No chance to the thousand rainbow dragons guarding the imperial palace unless you like those chants. No cushions unless you want them enjoy the ritual of them. No bells, but bells can help set the time apart as sacred. All you need is yourself and a minute or two to pay attention to the eternal now. 
right here, this moment, always slipping from our fingers. Those times that you can touch that eternal now, how sweet it is. I believe everyone should have a spiritual practice. It's good for you. It centers you. It allows you to slow down your mind and reposition yourself in the world around us. And if ever there was a time we needed to reevaluate how we, we move throughout this world of ours, it is indeed now. We are hyper-connected, reactive. We feel we always have to be doing something, something, something. Processing more information than any generation of human beings has ever had to process. You can barely get through the news without being overwhelmed. We're emerging from a pandemic. It's still here, but we're emerging. We're facing existential threats. The climate crisis, that is not just a theory and some far-off thing. It is here. It is coming. We're seeing the effects of misinformation on our culture. And we're overcommitted. Sometimes I hear people's schedules and wonder. So I believe it wholeheartedly. We all need something. Or else we risk, as in we heard in the song Conrad shared, for the soul is dead that slumbers. We all need something. At least five minutes a day to start, to pause, to reflect, to center, to grow. And lucky for all of us, spiritual practices are aplenty. They can be as complicated as you want, but and this is the best news of all, as simple as you want. Like that Zen koan, the great way is not difficult. If only you stop picking and choosing. Just try something, anything. And it could very well be the thing that anchors you in the coming week. And if not, it could lead to something else down the way. My colleague, the Reverend Eric Walker Wickstrom, in his book, Simply Pray, asks us to stop trying to explain spiritual practices and instead just feel them. Feel what's good, feel what's right, and feel what doesn't work for you. He uses the example of trying to explain a delicious food to someone, right? You cannot impart the taste to the person you're explaining it to. You can only give them a few highlights in the hopes they can one day experience it themselves. Unitarian Universalists have a reputation for favoring the head over the heart. We love edification. We love explanations. We love the details. That's all good. But remember the heart. And spiritual practices nourish both head and heart. Personally, I've tried a great deal of them and have come to know the ones that work best for me. Being intentionally in the natural world sustains me. Zen sustains me. Sometimes prayer beads sustain me. Prayer, sometimes, that too, will sustain me. Singing definitely sustains me. Zen koans sustain me. Memento mori sustains me. Lighting a candle and setting an intention sustains me. None of this requires a belief in this or that. All it requires is the willingness to devote time to your own well-being. I love it when people tell me they don't have time for spiritual practices. If only they turn off the news and put down the phone for a few minutes. There it is. Time. The news will still be there. So will social media and all the other things we distract ourselves with. 
This is an aside, but it does have to do with time. I recently cut down on my phone usage from nearly four hours a day to around 30 minutes a day. The average American spends three hours and 15 minutes a day on their smartphones and picks up their phone over 58 times. But when you look at generational differences, it gets pretty bad. For instance, millennials, that's me, picks up their phones on an average of 150 times a day. Baby boomers use their phones roughly five hours a day. Millennials, 5.7 hours. I'm sorry, Gen X, you get left out of every study. <laughs> but it gets worse and worse as you go through the generations. 33% of Americans have no idea they use their phone as much as they do. But two-thirds of Americans, once they find out that information, say they don't plan to change their habits. A study out of Baylor University confirms our attention spans have suffered greatly, as well as our mental health. But it is possible. I can read a book now, again. I can practice my spiritual practices again. I find I'm less reactive. And let's be clear, our phones are not the problem, just part of a problem. And when you look on the other side, where spiritual practices or mindfulness techniques, whatever you want to call them, are seen to reduce stress and blood pressure, promote calmness, cultivate happiness, develop positive relationships, and so on and so on and so on. It's hard to say no to that. One of the spiritual practices I appreciate every day is called memento mori, from the Latin remembering, saying, remember, you will die, memento mori. It's a practice that comes to us from the Stoics, and it asks us to contemplate our death every day. Ask yourself, each morning, today I could die. It's true. How will I live my life? It puts into perspective the small matters we fret about and opens up meaningful possibilities. And anyone can do it. It takes minutes, if that. That's what I wish to impart to all of us. Spiritual practices need not be complicated. It's really about paying attention in ways that bring us fulfillment. And the barrier to entry is only as high as you make it. Now think of the songs we sing here. BR is a religion which, like sunshine, goes everywhere. May the long-time sun shine upon you. All loves surround you. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. There is no barrier to turning those into a spiritual practice, almost like mantras. Intentionally focus on the words or print them out so you could see them at your work desk or elsewhere when you look up. There is no barrier. Charlie here shared with me many years ago now, that he has the words to a song we haven't really sung here in a while. I think it'll be on the screen in a moment. But they're printed out in a large print font in his office. So whenever he looks at them, there it is. The intention of those words and the intention of paying attention. Open my heart to be a sanctuary, all made holy, loved, and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Open my heart to be a sanctuary, all made holy, loved and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living. 
Imagine how such a simple thing as that, whether or not you sing it aloud, could change your perspective in an instant. Sanctuary for you, who is the you? You get to decide. Is it the divine? Is it human beings? Is it this world of ours? Is it for yourself? That's how accessible all of this is to all of us. I have my own mantras from the Zen tradition I practice that come to mind when I'm walking the dog, doing dishes. Sometimes when I am so mad, about something, they come creeping into my mind. And they work for me, they fit my personality, a mix of serious and completely ridiculous. The first one, known to many people who practice Buddhism in here, gate gate parasam gate bodhisattva ha. Gone, gone, everybody's gone to a distant shore, awakening at last. And my favorite, which gets about at the ridiculous, the Jizo mantra, om ka ka kabisan mae sowaka. It sounds really serious, right? But it is so, I think it's funny. It means, ha, 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 beloved one, at last. I love it. (laughs) Who's the beloved is the question for you. Mantras take no time at all. And meditation need not have the pageantry of putting on vestments and the like. It can happen anywhere. Prayer can happen anywhere. It doesn't, contemplating immortality can happen anywhere. Immersing yourself in nature can happen anywhere, not just the Red River Gorge. It could be the houseplant in front of you. It could be noticing the dandelions growing through the cracks in your driveway and marveling at their beauty. It can be taking a moment to notice the stars above. You don't need to know their names. They don't know yours. Just notice. Just notice. Notice the air. Is it crisp? Is it muggy, floral? What is it? Take notice. And so let's take a minute to notice. I'm going to ring the bell here and invite you to follow the sound of it. It's an intro to meditation technique. I have no idea what it's called. It was taught to me once. I call it chasing the bell. You can close your eyes if you like. And when you hear the sound of the bell, follow it in your mind as long as you can. And when you you can no longer hear it, and we all have varieties of hearing levels, right? Keep the sound alive in your mind. Let the sound take you to a place of centering. So let's, let's go ahead and let's try this here. Chase the bell. It's that simple. And the bell isn't even necessary. Now, I've found for myself what works, but let me be clear, right? Sometimes I can devote copious amounts of time 
Other times I'm lucky if five or 10 minutes happen a week, sometimes a month. What's important is that it happens. Stirring cream into your coffee in the morning, set an intention for the day. Driving to work, offer a loving kindness meditation for your loved ones, your friends, your pets, and yes, even your enemies, that person who ran that red light. Take note of the sky, the air, the sun, the moon, your pets, your loved ones. Take notice of the beating of your own heart and ask yourself, how shall I live today? The great way is not difficult. And so that is my hope for all Unitarian Universalists, for all people, really, that everyone has a practice, however grand or small, that sustains you, guides you, that centers you. And so in that spirit today, everybody's leaving with a random spiritual practice. It's only chosen from eight, and let me, there's hundreds, right? So if your favorite isn't there, I'm sorry, but there's hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands. Everyone gets a random spiritual practice. You can open them after the service. You can trade them with others if you like, but try it. Try it just for a moment. Even if it's just once in the next week, let me know how it goes. And so I've got baskets and Charlie and Bill are going to help me pass out these random spiritual practices to folks. They're all things that can be done as simply as you like. Now, for those of you at home online, do not feel left out. There's a link to a very short three-question quiz being put in the chat. It's only those three questions, and it will give you a random spiritual practice as well. The encouragement is to try it. If you don't like it, that's okay. It might lead to something that works for you, something that feels good, that feels right, that feels centering. And really, I do want to know. Let me know how it goes. As it even that sound of paying attention to the paper being opened. There we go. Chase the paper sound. There we go. So for all of you, my friends, for your spiritual practices, those emerging and those you already do, may they bring you joy. May they bring you hope. May they bring you centering. May they bring you renewal. Blessed be. Amen. hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.